You're listening to The Outspoken Bible, a podcast from Bible 2020 with Fiona Stewart, Jen Robertson and Neil Glover. So welcome to episode four of our Outspoken Bible conversations on the book of Ruth. And we've looked at the three main characters. We've looked at Naomi, we've looked at Ruth, we've looked at Boaz. Uh, Today we're going to move on to think about the character of God and how he is revealed in the story of Ruth. So once again, I'm joined by Neil and Jen. Hello. Hello there. Hi, Fiona. Uh, It's good to see you both again. And uh, yeah, I would love us just to turn to this idea of, of... I suppose let's starting with the question of why why is God mentioned so little in the book? This is a this is a thing that has really puzzled commentators, but it's not unusual in the the Hebrew um, canon for for speaking rarely of God. Um, God famously never appears in the Book of Esther, uh, and I think only indirectly in the Book of Song of Solomon. Um, people have people have said that this extreme understatement serves as an effective overstatement to stress forcefully that Yahweh is very much at work. Um, some other, one other commentator said that. Sorry, they can sense... you say that again, Neil? <laughs> slightly more slowly. Sorry, a chap, someone called Hubbard, has pursued the line of thought most rigorously. Yes. In the Book of Ruth, arguing that the narrative speaks of God's activity with, I quote, startling indirectness. But that, and I quote again, extreme understatement served as effective overstatement oh. to stress forcefully that Yahweh is indeed very much at work. I think that's at it. Ah. Uh, how can <laughs> you, that's like, just arguing black is white. So it's like the kind of negative to a photo. Is that, yeah. is that the kind of yeah, idea of Yeah, but by, by totally taking God out, you're saying God's everywhere. I don't think you are. Mm. Well, you maybe are in one sense. Some, I mean, I think you sense God at work. But it's a bit of a circular argument to say this book makes God the primary actor by never mentioning God or hardly ever mentioning God. Is there something, though, about the randomness of which things apparently happen? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's actually what life is like. And in those things that we think are random, God is at work. And I've got this, this is a silly wee story, but last week at our church we were doing Bags of Love, which is the... Scottish Bible Society a resource to help families engage in the book of Ruth and I think day two is um, chapter two surprisingly uh, where uh, no no maybe chapter three maybe chapter two anyway she goes to the field and oh she just happened to go to Boaz's field and what we asked the families to do was to blow bubbles around because when you blow bubbles you know they just go all over the place you never know where they're going or where they're going to land and sometimes life can seem like that but God is actually involved in that randomness and so that was the, the day that we were doing as families together but then I had this wee moment where I was posting out bags of discovery to a family so not a family a church leader somewhere in Scotland and I'd missed out a wee bundle of the Ruth, Ruth booklet so I hadn't included it in the envelope so I had to put it in another envelope and so because of that I emailed the church leader now I would normally not have that contact with the people that I was sending things out to but I wanted to tell her your thing's coming in two parcels because I made a mistake. Totally random, incidental moment. So this, the person replies back to me, oh, I, and so my name was at the bottom of the email, obviously, and she said, oh, I used to know a Jen Robertson a long time ago. Um, so I said, oh, where, did you, where did you know this Jen Robertson? Turns out, surprise, surprise, I'd known her 15 years ago when she was a teenager and she's now uh, a family worker in a church in Scotland and she'd been down south and she'd worked in a Baptist church. And, and anyway, but in the first email she'd said, uh, yeah, that, that Jen Robertson really helped me understand God better and really sort of helped me in my faith in, in words that are much better than that. But, but anyway, you were relieved, so to... Jen. But you were relieved. I was relieved. She just did all sorts of things. 
But it was a lot. And then we had this lovely conversation over Messenger about what she'd been doing and what her life had become. And I thought if I hadn't had that random moment of missing mm-hmm. out her Ruth booklets from the envelope, I would never have reconnected with her. Yeah. I'd had that encouragement from her that all those years ago, the things we'd done together uh, in Canvas Lang had, had been really helpful for her. So um, maybe that's partly the book of Ruth. Yeah. And the things that seem random and we're just getting on with our lives and we're trying to work out how to live, God is there. Do yeah. what God does. Yeah. So it was a bit of a long story. I think I think that's right, <laughs> Jen. I think because I think Ruth accurately describes faith as we mm-hmm. ordinarily live it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's great to read the story of Acts and um fire coming down from heaven. Uh, and people hearing everybody in, in every language or read the Gospels and feeding of the 5,000. And I love all that. So please don't get this wrong. But that's not what happens to me in most of my life. I have never yet walked yeah. on water. I have never yet turned water into wine. The majority of my life experience of being with God is not of God showing up and speaking directly to me. So I'm really yes. glad that there are books of the Bible yes. where you hear of God and people speak of God quite often. You know, God had visited his people with food, you, you, you hear. Or Boaz says to Ruth, you've, you've come under God's wings for protection. So people speak God, people pray of God, people say your God is my God, people make acts of commitment. But, but you never actually get God actually saying something. There's only one action in the whole book which God actually does, which is that God causes uh, Ruth to have a, have a son. And yeah. even then, you could have argued, I mean, I would never argue this, but you could conceivably argue that that could have happened without God. Yeah, um, conceivably, you see. Conce- <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but that's life. It's patterns and it's sensing the presence of God. And and that's the life of actually faith as we live mm-hmm. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. a, a life with no miracles, no angels, <laughs> just getting on with each day as it comes. And and yet the miracle is the fact it was said before that that, mm. that Ruth then Naomi says at the start even if tonight I were to have sons and and it's yeah. completely impossible and yet by the end of the story a yeah. son has been born mm-hmm. to Naomi and that mm-hmm. pattern and th- there's one little hint I think um, you know the one where um, Boaz goes and sits at the gate and the first person to come along just so happens to be just so happens to be George, George McLeod used to talk about that. He used to, um, he, they, they were built, they were rebuilding Iona Abbey during the war and they'd run out of wood and they had to build the, the, the roof beams for the refectory where they were going to eat. And it just so happened uh, that a, a, a freighter was travelling across the Atlantic and then a storm had to jettison wood somewhere in the <laughs> North Atlantic and just the right number of uh, lengths of wood of the Brilliant. right length were washed up on the beach in Mull just opposite Iona and they were able to build the refectory with it. Yeah. And uh, George McLeod famously said, if you think that's a coincidence, I hope you have a very dull life. <laughs> It's good though, isn't it? And there is something, isn't there, of the, the tension in life is like that, isn't it? Where on the one hand, like you say, it feels, life can feel very ordinary and it doesn't feel supernatural on one level, but actually not to lose sight of the fact that in the just so just so happens moments, you know, having a, having a kind of awareness that, that God might be at work, that God might be intervening and, and, and doing something is, is quite important, isn't it? There is a tension to be held, I think, in the life of the believer, really. I think one of the important things that Ruth tells us is just the importance of remembering that story. I can't remember if I've said to you before. I have a, I think I've got it here actually. Uh, I have a book where I 
write my prayers in and I prayers each day that happen. Um, but once in a while, it's about one, it varies. Sometimes it's once every fortnight. Sometimes it's once every six months. Something amazing happens, you know, like Jane's story there of, of that person who sent the second parcel to and he said, oh, I knew a Jane Robertson once. And I write them in the back of my book. And I've got about 60 stories like that of kind of mm-hmm. incredible things. But I would never have remembered them unless it actually unless it actually written them down. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's something important about preserving the memory of those moments and when they happen. Yes. Yeah. Something too, isn't there, about how God, when he does appear in this story, it's often through the words of the characters, isn't it? The mm. other characters. Um, and I suppose I'm, I'm just interested in, in drilling into that a little bit, but where, where the truth of who God is is revealed actually in, in our experience. It's something about con- conversation, isn't it? In our conversations with each other, we get to know God better. Mm-hmm. And actually, as we, we're all living in a time now in Scotland where we're trying to work out what going back to being physically together in a church is. And maybe the thing, I mean, we've had conversations over Zoom, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Maybe the thing we've missed is that unexpected one-to-one conversation that we didn't plan for. And that's much less likely to happen on a Zoom call. It does happen as you mingle around at church and you yeah. pick up a cake and the person's there and you talk to them and um, you may, may talk very clearly about God and what, what, how you're feeling about God. But in those conversations about life, we get to know God better. And I, I fear and wonder how we're going to do that mm-hmm. in the restrictions that we find ourselves in. Commitment to conversation, isn't it? And it, it goes back, I, I'm more and more coming to the view that experience is hugely important in our discovery of, of, of God. I, I think there's a view of, of this scripture, and I, I, this is a complex debate that I'm wading into at the moment, but there's a view of scripture that if you just download the Bible and then seek to apply it properly at every point in life, then, then that's, that's how you do the Christian life. And you kind of ignore the stuff that's in front of you, your eyes. Um, this story is about um, Boaz meets a woman and he knows there's a text in the Bible that says he should go nowhere near this woman. Deuteronomy 23 says go nowhere near this Moabite. But there are other texts in which uh, he's told to welcome the alien in the land. Mm-hmm. And there, there's also a story that he knows that this is a woman who is displaying values of, of worth, hail, and of love, chesed, and chen, grace which he knows a characteristic of Israel's God. Mm-hmm. And so he brings all of those things into conversation because life is complex. It mm-hmm. is not simple. And in this complicated situation, he, he discerns where it is that God is leading him. So so I think this might be quite a good point to, to segue onto something that we began to talk about in the last episode, which was the, the idea of how this story occupies a place. It, it subverts some of the expectations of what the people of of God, of how the people of God should be, um, and maybe maybe think a little bit as well about why why the book sits where it does within the Old Testament. So there's some things that we've we've, we've alluded to the, the kind of journey of coming from the judges to the time of the kings, and, and Ruth is the sort of bridge in that journey. Um, why is it where it is? Is it there to to stir something up? Is is it just a story historically that establishes a festival, or is it is it something more? Is there a challenge in Ruth that asks us 
how does our relationship with God impact how we treat those who are marginalised and outsiders? I, I think there is. I don't know if that's one of the main reasons of the book. And also, we've just come from Judges, which is so full of blood and death and war and getting rid of the enemy. And here's a story of a, a welcome and an inclusion. Mm. Yeah. So the, the, in the Hebrew Bible, this story does not appear between Judges and, and First Samuel. Uh, it appears in a later section called The Writings. Uh, but scholars have begun to argue that the, the ordering of this book between uh, Judges and uh, First Samuel, uh, which is how it appears both in Christian Bibles and in the, the Greek, New, Greek Old Testament Septuagint, is actually fairly, fairly accurate in terms of the, the intention of the book. Not least because you end with Judges, so you start with Judges in the days that Judges ruled, and you end with the first king, with, with David. So the book itself seems to intentionally place itself mm-hmm. within that, that timeline. I think, as, as Jen said, it's, a, it's an important counter-narrative to the dissent that happens in Judges. Things are just getting worse and worse and worse all the time in Judges, and you get poorer and poorer standards of leadership mm-hmm. uh, going on. Each judge tends to be worse than the one that, that came before until you end up with some of the, the absolute horror stories that occur at the end of Judges. But who do you get in the middle of this? You get Boaz stepping in, this man of strength, um, who, who operates out of a different set of values. Interestingly, in Judges, women are treated worse and worse and worse mm. as the story goes That's on. What to, I, was, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. It was, was it the story of the concubine at the end, where mm. she gets cut up? And the daughter, the daughter who's... Um, the, the father promises to give God the first... Oh, Jephthah. Mm. ...thing he meets. Yeah. Jephthah's daughter. Yeah. yeah, so you have these stories where women are treated worse and worse as, as the book of Judges goes on. And here's a story where where... I want to say I was about to say women are treated well. It's it's not women are treated. Women treat themselves well, mm-hmm. and men are enlisted into that into that action. Um, so it's a counter narrative there, but it's also about a society going through a transition from being ruled one way, which is by judges, to another way of kings. And I suppose in some ways anticipates the hope that the kings are going to be people well a bit like like Boaz, and that society will flourish. One of the transitions in the book is from emptiness to fullness. So the idea that mm-hmm. this is going to be a, tra- a transition which is going to bring about fullness, it's, it's, it's full of change. It, coming and going is one of the stories again and again in the book. People are coming and going, coming and going. And I think at a time of transition, mm-hmm. which uh, our culture is certainly going through at the moment, uh, it talks about God being in the middle of these transitions, but how does it happen? It happens by people like Boaz stepping up. It happens by by the women of Bethlehem welcoming Naomi and Ruth eventually into their midst. Um, that that's bringing me to the question I was going to sort of round us off with, really, which is about I suppose as you have read through this book again, and and Jen, you'll be similar to me in that I, I've sat in this book for quite a long time now over the last few <laughs> few weeks and months. Is there anything that that has really jumped out at you and I, I think this is where it fits with this episode is there something that God has has spoken to you about particular perhaps a fresh um, perspective that you've you've um arrived at as you've read through it and, and equally is there something that you think actually the the, the book is saying to us in our present mm-hmm. cultural uh, moment you need to be able to yeah. think about that two, yeah. two things for me personally I think it was it was 
really good with the families last week as we use bags of love to think about that verse under God's wings and um, we were looking up pictures of birds with their babies physically under their wings I mean if you haven't done that have a look it's amazing how birds manage to protect <laughs> their young under their wings and some of the fam one of the families had even gone up to the nearby loch and got a picture of a goose with its babies under its wings uh, and I think that just seemed very pertinent for the families in the time we were in. That this is a God who brings us under his care. And we listened together online uh, to Lauren Daigle's song, Under His Wings. So that, that was a that was very personal and sort of God-protecting. And I think the other thing for me is this uh, non-coincidental nature of how God works. And, and even today, I, I take the dog out for a walk and he, she's very slow. She has very small legs. And I, I was needing to rush to get home for this podcast recording. And someone I know pulled their car up to talk to me. And I was like, oh, I really need to go. I don't have any time. And then the person just told me things that she needed to tell someone. And they, they were quite concerning and life-changing. And, and I was just like, well, the, the podcast people just have to wait. And it turned out it was fine. Our timing worked out fine. Um, that just so happened. Just so happened that Jen was walking along the road with her dog, or the woman that lady was in her car. Mm -hmm. That need to and not to become overly spiritual. Oh, I need to, you know, I'll need to stop and do this because God wants me to. But just being not, noticing um, how how God is involved, even when we're not thinking that way. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Neil, what about you? I think the thing that that spoke to me is so often spoken to me in this is just the genius of the bible that, that mm -hmm. um you know as somebody said elsewhere you know, about the biblical authors it's almost as if they had some help um there's <laughs> uh, i i really love that with the possible exception of ruth in this story it's really hard to say go and do likewise it's really hard to say you have to do things exactly the same way that everyone did it because there, there are flaws. But what you have are human characters who don't exemplify a naive godliness and a question morality. They are a mass of conflicting desires, vested interests, operating within a bounds of society, which in some cases puts severe restrictions on them. And yet they, they subvert those bounds. They use the imagination. They dream of a bigger future. Sometimes late in the day they arrive there it's not just from the beginning that they're visionaries but out of this desperately imaginative often pressured process of being human over many years these people live within the story of god i've been thinking a lot about margin that that um boaz chose to implement that command of god about margin and and the one about the fields uh, about the fields yeah. but i think there's also margin you know ruth chooses to give i suppose to some extent to give naomi the benefit of the doubt mm -hmm. and stick with her so there's a margin in the it's margin and it's the hesed word coming mm -hmm. together and i suppose a, a very personal challenge and jen you've, you've already talked about you know as we as we kind of emerge into a new way of being uh, what does margin look like because one of one of the things i've really appreciated actually in the midst of of global crisis actually has been just a slowing down and a, and, and having margin yes. forced on me and actually how do i maintain that how do i actively choose to live with margin because i think i think 
yeah, in our society, it's very easy to to, to work to the edge of the field yeah, yeah. and get all that we can. And and, and how yeah. am I choosing to to, to actively um, sacrifice something of of what is mine, whether that's my time, my money, my my um, relationships, I suppose, with people yes. uh, to 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 benefit others and and, and demonstrate that chesed. Quite challenging, really. Yeah. Yep. So that was the book of Ruth. You can read it. I, I can I can tell you that you can read it, and I think it's about forty three minutes or something like that. <laughs> so if you haven't read through the whole book, it's worth doing that. Obviously, you can connect into the resources we've talked about. We're going to finish actually with a, a little bit of audio from where you go, which you can find on your usual podcast providers and through Scottish Bible. Um, but in the meantime, it, Jen and Neil, thank you so much once again for thank for you. sharing your wisdom, your insights, your knowledge of Hebrew, your stories. Next time, we're going to be talking about a longing for God. So in our Bible 2020 app, we're moving on to a a different um, topic uh, towards the end of August, and that's going to be longing for God, really thinking about prayer. So next time when we come back, we'll be talking about prayer. But in the meantime, thank you both for joining me on the Outspoken Bible. The Lord is still being kind. We'll go back to your people with you. Of course, we might conclude that a man of Boaz's wealth and stature could afford to act with kindness towards this lonely foreign girl, or more cynically, that he had an ulterior motive. But if he really was a powerful man, then surely he could just have done what he wanted anyway. But before we make up our minds, we need to hear Naomi's views. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you pick up green today? Where did you work? May the man who noticed you be blessed. Did you catch it? That little glimmer of hope in Naomi's voice. That moment where a woman worn down by life is able to see beyond herself and notice the kindness of another. It's significant. May the man who noticed you be blessed. And Ruth told her about the man whose field she had worked in. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz. She said, May the Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. The Lord is still being kind to those who are living and those who are dead. She continued, That man is a close relative of ours. He's one of our family protectors. She may be bitter. She may be old. She may have lived most of her life away from her hometown, but she is sharp as a tag, Naomi. Where You Go, an 11-part drama from Bible 2020. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all your usual podcast platforms.